Hey everyone, and uh, welcome back. I'm bringing you my conversation with California songwriter Donovan Quinn this week. Donovan has been writing and releasing music under his own name and as part of the Sky Green Leopards and New Bums since around the turn of the century. His particular brand of psychedelic folk, or something akin to that, has meant a great deal to me for a long time, and it was such a pleasure to sit across from him over Zoom and shoot the shit about a number of things, including Vitold Grombovitz, David Crosby's resemblance to a Greek god, a not-so-great show opening for Boris in Belgium, and more. Uh, check out Donovan's Bandcamp page to get acquainted with his music, and as a primer, I'm going to play Zombie USA and Bunny and Me in this episode. Please rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about our modest production here, and we will be back with another show soon. Thanks for listening, and try to love yourself just a little bit more. Take care. Thank you. 
I guess that's like Jerry Garcia country kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he did like a pretty uh, huge bike tour from like Vancouver down to um, uh, back down to like Marin County. So he went all through Humboldt County and like showed me a bunch of pictures and stuff. So okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that that'd be a that'd be a pretty massive uh, bike ride, but. Yeah, um, it's really beautiful up here. Uh, my buddy, uh, I have a lot of good friends up here. Kind of led me to moving up here from San Francisco. Um, my buddy Ben Chasney, who I do the band New Bums with and collaborate with in general, is from here. And he had uh, moved back to Humboldt, I don't know, a few years few years ago. And uh yeah, me and my partner were looking for a place and uh we just decided to make a move so ended up here it's great yeah nice yeah because yeah because ben he was living um like on the east coast for a bit too yeah he was in um western massachusetts for a long time um okay. been in connecticut for a while and uh yeah then they came back here okay cool um yeah, that's 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 all right. Yeah, um, and you've lived there your whole life, right? You've lived in California your whole life. Yeah, I'm from the Bay Area originally. I was from the East Bay Area, and then I moved to San Francisco uh, and lived there for just a little under twenty years, and then I moved up here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just give like a little brief intro, and then uh, we can just sort of. Shoot the shit. So I'm I'm here with uh, California-based musician and songwriter Donovan Quinn. Uh, Donovan has released music under his own name, and he's also made and released music as part of the uh, Sky Green Leopards, uh, New Bums, and uh, Paper Cuts. Uh, be sure to check out Donovan's uh, Bandcamp page at donovanquinn.bandcamp.com, and you can also hear his musical output on the various streaming services. And uh, yeah, man. So thanks for hopping on. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, as a, a a slight, I don't know if this would be a correction. I've never played in paper cuts. I do write for paper cuts sometimes. I help Jason with um uh kind of come up with lyrics. Uh, okay. Okay. But um, I have never played guitar for paper cuts because my timing is terrible. And that does not fly in paper cuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I read that. I think I read like that you helped write songs for them or something like that. Yeah. So I just threw that in there. Um, I remember one time I heard you say that, what's that one record called? Life Among the Savages or something? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's one of Jason's. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fuck. I love that record. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't, I'm not like... T- too too familiar with paper cuts like i haven't dug deep in the catalog but i know that one pretty well so yeah yeah jason he never does bad all of his records are great he's just one of those guys he doesn't you know he just doesn't veer into any territory that you know um you're gonna be like oh that album sucks i mean if you like paper cuts you're you're probably gonna like every album um and but jason He's played in my band and my projects. A lot of this Donovan Quinn's stuff under my name, like features Jason heavily. He does a lot of the instrumentation and that kind of thing. 
Uh, he kind of does it to suit my style. So it doesn't really sound like paper cuts. Um, and so kind of, you know, and we're, we're close friends, but kind of in, in exchange for that, partly, uh, you know, I try to help out with, uh, the lyric writing. He's a great lyricist. Um, and it's not me inserting my own sensibilities into it. Um, it's more me just trying to think like Jason. Jason the lyricist as much as possible and give him more options. Uh, one thing I've always been okay at is like, you know, you could have this line or you could have this line or you could have that line or you could go this way. Um, it's just one of the things I've always kind of been able to bring to a group. So in that way, I help him out, but it's all his Jason the paper cuts is just Jason Cleaver really. Yeah. Yeah. And he does production work too, right? Yeah. He, that's, been his living for a long time um so that's how we met is um sky green leopards recorded our first few albums on our own and then we got onto a label that gave us a little bit of a budget and so we just thought oh man it'd be cool to to try a studio and if it was a right fit and we really wanted to um, record live as much as possible I was getting really into um, these Jerry Jeff Walker albums where it's like in a studio, but they're recording, you know, mostly live and doing, you know, the sporadic overdub. And so uh, we did this album, Disciples of California with Jason, and that's how we kind of met. And then he kind of basically became a member of the band. Um, But yeah, we met him as a producer. Okay. Yeah. That's you and uh, Glenn Donaldson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's cool. Was that uh, Soft Abuse? Is that what that label was? Or, uh, or. No, we were on Soft Abuse when we were recording our own albums. And then we got on this label called Jag Jaguar. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, it's like a cluster of labels. I, I forget all of them, but it was like Secretly Canadian, Jag Jaguar, all those. And. Um, yeah, somebody on the label was a fan of our earlier albums, and uh, we love Soft Abuse. Um, I still do, but they kind of wrote us, or I don't know how we got in contact in those days. I guess they wrote us an email or something, and they're basically they're like, "Hey, we'll give you two thousand two thousand bucks," and we're like, "We're like sold," <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. We had just, for better or worse, we just thought, okay, that's enough to go in and like we didn't want to become like a professional, you know, whatever hi-fi band, but just the idea of like, we had a pretty good live band at that point. And just to be able to go in as a collective and with somebody that had like the ability to record bass and drums and rhythm guitar at the same time was uh, really exciting to us. And, um, and I I love that album disciples of California. And that's, that's um, the, the big, there's certain people I've talked to and that's like their album that they like. Right. Like, you know, I was just saying like with paper cuts, it's kind of like, it would be hard for me to imagine you really liking one album and hating another one. Yeah. Very easy for me to imagine that with my, <laughs> with my stuff. <laughs> like, and it happens all the time and occasionally people let me know about it, but um, like you could be like a fan of disciples of California and not really like anything else. Um, just because we had a very certain band, it was a certain time in Jason's studio life in his production 
career where he had a certain sound that he brought to it. And, you know, it was just the, the sound of that, that, uh, of that time. And, you know, things kind of changed after just naturally, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I mean, I think like I can, I think I can pretty much listen to and, and enjoy just about anything you put out. Um, yeah, I'm kind of that way with your stuff. Like, I mean, I know you said that about paper cuts, but I mean, you, you have a certain aesthetic, I guess, that, um, you know, it, there's not really a record where it's like, fuck, no, nah, I, I don't want to listen to this one. or I, I don't know. It just doesn't happen for me with your stuff. I don't know if it's like, and I mean, I guess that's, I, I don't know what that says, to be honest, but uh, I guess I just like the overall sound. But yeah. Well, I do, I do always hope, you know, I'm being a little self-deprecating, but then I also think it's true. I mean, I think it depends on what you look for from an artist. And I always really love bands like Mekons were a huge band for me. And it's the thing that kind of unites everything to me is like a kind of a sensibility or a viewpoint that they bring. But so it doesn't really matter if they're doing some weird version of country music or just straight up like punk music or whatever. It's all, it's kind of going towards the same thing. But then I think some listeners and I don't think this is a good or a bad thing, but they are really like into genre and different. There's, there's different or stuff or some people just the, the production and the production value has like a huge impact. And it, that does, I mean, I think everyone, it impacts the way they hear something, but I think some people are like, get really into that, you know? Um, and so I like to think there's something that connects everything that I've done. Um, but again, some people I think just here, they're, they're maybe focusing on different things. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Like with, I think with your stuff, like the main sort of, uh, um, touch point for me would be like, just the fact that you like couple these really humorous lyrics with like these really earnest melodies. Um, yes. yeah. And I think that's kind of what, <laughs> what does it for me? Like, um, and yeah, I'm not really, I'm not like a, I mean, I've always been interested in guitar and whatnot and, but like, I am not a, an audiophile by any stretch of the imagination. I'm I'm not a big production guy. Um, I'm more of like a, if you can just couple a good lyric with a, a really poignant melody that sort of just does it for me and it, and it could, there could be static coming through or whatever. I don't really care. It's just like, um. Yeah, like I mean, you know that that one uh, that one lyric from cover band, you know, lost our backing singer to the avant garde after Nick told her she played the tambourine too hard. You know, that's just like a <laughs> that's just yeah. a great example of of um, I mean, it just cracks you up, and but also it's like a kind of like a haunting melody. So it's like that juxtaposition that um, sort of brings it home for me. You know. Thank you. It's good to hear you say that. Well, and I do, I mean, I've had not, it's not like a formula exactly, but like having spent a lot of time on writing, um, thinking about other people's songwriting and especially loving folks like John Prine. One thing that I always wanted to do, I think cover band is a good example is I think, like I think of humor, I've never really liked joke bands and I've never wanted to like 
veer into that or into like satirical kind of stuff. But I've always thought like, well, humor is just a, a part of like a full person, the way that yeah. you express yourself. So it's weird to be totally deprived of humor. And a lot of people that I think are the like people think of as great songwriters that are very serious, I think are really funny. Like Leonard Cohen is like super funny, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that it's really needed if you want to write about something like cover band is, is kind of, I mean, it's a little story song, but it's a lot to do with loneliness too, but I don't really, I'm not as interested in just, you know, some kind of like, you know, hundredth version of like a blues song and way it is, but like, I, I don't want it just to be too whiny or something. I, I don't, that's not the way to put it, but I like, I always think about it as balance. So I think like later in that thing, when I say, you know, you see in the eyes of the booze hounds and divorcees, first of all, putting booze hounds in a song is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. also. But, you know, I've, um, I played that song live before where people got really got into humor a lot of the times people are not attaching or thinking of the lyrics that i do as humorous and that's a little awkward for me sometimes right. like you know this to me is obviously like kind of funny like it's not just a straight up joke but it's kind of humorous but i've had a couple times where people have gotten really into the humor but then when you get into the little lines that are like kind of dark it's almost like a flinching thing like because they're ready just to be and I think this is kind of where you get into, you know, uh thing of head scratchers. And I've always loved head scratching songs, artists, yeah. but the, what the price I think sometimes you pay is people really want to be in a certain mode. Like some people want to go see like a comedy and they don't want to have to worry about any like serious like impact. And other people kind of like want something where the, it's all there and it's ambiguous. Yeah. And you don't know exactly how to feel. And they're not telling you that, to be happy or sad about something. And I've always kind of been into that, that kind of art, just, you know, as a fan and then as what I wanted to do. As yeah. Well. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of subtle humor, but there's like a real human element to it. And, um, you know, like even a line, like, you know, you wonder, do they wonder where their youth has gone? Um, I mean, that might not be like laugh out loud, like, funny but it's just such a brilliant line for you know and you hear it and, and it's like yeah of course that's what you think about like you know old drunks that you know are just hopeless um you know and uh, <laughs> so i mean i don't know well, that, you know yeah. I, my father who raised me is um a musician and he would play not as many bars he'd play like weddings and this kind of thing um and you know, I think I've like came into the world of music with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder regarding audiences just because like when I was a kid, I would just watch like, and especially if you're hired for a party or something, like the disrespect, at least back then, you know, was pretty high. I mean, you're just like, the people are paying you, they want you to play a certain, you know, covers and that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I, so I always have it like, that song was partly, it wasn't written specifically for this purpose, but I, it was kind of from the viewpoint of like, if I'm ever in a situation where just there's just some people being just straight up assholes yeah. uh, and the thing, I want to have this line 
if, it doesn't work if they're much younger than me, which is very possible. <laughs> but if they're if they're older, I'm just like not like to like put them down because you know I'm middle age at this point. It's just more of just a sadness of not even sad. It's just like uh, maybe a melancholy of like of just like especially you know if you're a drinker, just like God, where did all this? Or did all these people go wow, <laughs> all this time slip away? But again, I don't want to just be like a bummer. I don't want to like, you know, use music as my therapeutical, you know, device or whatever. It's more just like all these things together. It's ridiculous. It's funny. Like, and I think me and Ben, when we uh, would do new bums, would do cover band. I always told them is like, I don't want it to be like, I like cover bands. I don't want it to be. And if I, somebody wrote an, a review of something and they're just talked about it. And I was like, I'm not mocking cover bands. It's more of like, you know, I can understand how you would think that if somebody thought that, but it's not that I'm mocking it. It's just kind of a little story about somebody. And they're ridiculous. I view myself as ridiculous all the time. And it's, that doesn't mean that I don't like, I despise <laughs> something. Anyway. Yeah. You go on about that. Yeah. Also. Yeah. No, no, I, t- I totally get that. Like, and, and that sort of that self deprecation comes through too. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm hearing the song and like, I'm like, Oh, he's like making fun of people. It's like, you're making fun of everything. You're making fun of life in general, just the absurdity of everything. And, uh, and yeah, so that's, uh, but, but yeah, like that, that line in particular reminds me of like, I was at a show once and, uh, there was this guy trying to play just an acoustic guitar and we were at this dive bar and like, there was just a bunch of middle-aged drunk dudes. Like it was kind of sensitive acoustic music. And like, you could tell that these middle-aged drunk dudes weren't having it. And they were just like, you know, get this, they were kind of heckling them and stuff. So the guy like put down his guitar and started like reading poetry um <laughs> and that really pissed them off and uh you know because they they wanted to hear like you know like a zeppelin cover or something and this guy was playing like you know you know um whatever poetry on a nylon string or something but anyways it was just that so that line kind of reminded me of that but awesome. yeah yeah um but yeah there's all i mean there's all kinds of uh there, there's there's all kinds of humor in your in your in your music, um, you know, I, I could go on. Um, I'm not going to just sit here and read your lyrics back to you, but I mean, um, you know, uh, your girlfriend might be a cop. I mean, it's just another another beauty. Um, did you write that one, or was that you and Ben that sort of? That was me and Ben, and I think it's mostly Ben I, on that one. I I would have to look at it, but that was we kind of worked on together in my old apartment in San Francisco, and I think. I would have to ask Ben. I think what happened is we're looking for lyrics and I might've had a line that was similar to your girlfriend might be a cop, like in a notebook. And he liked the idea and he was like, Oh, that should be like this song. But then a lot of that's Ben's sensibilities. I think maybe like, kind of like I was talking with paper cuts. um, Maybe there was a little bit of that with new bums, but generally with new bums, if Ben is singing, it's his line. And then if I'm singing, it's it's my line. Every like collaboration you do, it's weird. It's at least it's been this way with me. If you write with people, you have to figure out just kind of like, you know, where somebody wants help, where someone doesn't want help. Um, and I'll tell you, for me, you know, as a writer, it's like 
it's not always the easiest stuff to sing because I always looked at it like lyrically first rather than music. Yeah. Musical. Yeah. yeah. A lot of syllables. Um, but the way, the kind of talky way that I sang, you can kind of get away with it. Um, but Ben has such a, you know, beautiful voice and he has like really great phrasing. And so a lot of the kind of stuff I do, um, doesn't work you know it's it, it, it's kind of an uh awkward fit for that but anyway ben's a great lyricist so i would have to look at it but i would say the majority of that is ben's yeah um do you uh like in general like do you like like would you prefer to write on your own or or collaborate or, or would it take like a special type of person to collaborate with oh it definitely takes a special kind of person because man it's like i mean it can be pretty frustrating yeah. Uh, writing alone art together, but it's especially frustrating. And this happens all the time with collaborating, but like if you are really into something and you're like, I'm about to blow this guy's mind. And then they're <laughs> like, eh, I don't know. I like this other one. And you're just like, what? Um, and you have, but you have to be okay with it. And you have to like trust, and respect the person's opinion that you're working with to go, oh, maybe they're seeing something that that I'm not, especially the stuff that they like that you don't necessarily care about. Um, but uh, I probably feel the most comfortable just writing on my own. But that said, maybe the most satisfying or, you know, memorable experiences I've had writing have been collaborative because if you're just writing on your own, I mean, you know, there's nothing really to it. It's just you're in a room and you come up with an idea. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, whereas if somebody's there, you know, you have that moment of, I mean, I love it. I love writing on my own, but, and I do feel joy from it. But if somebody's there, like with um, Jason, with paper, you know, writing with him or New Bums or Skygun Leopards with Glenn, there's always moments where somebody's like, oh, that's amazing. Or, you know, or they played something. And I was like, oh, that, you know, I never would have thought of in a million years, you know, Um, like working with Jason, we've written some songs together that, you know, outside of paper cuts and he just writes beautiful bridges. And it's one of those things I was like, I don't really write, I don't write bridges. I mean, if I'm in there just, uh, you know, I go, okay, there's this other part to the song, but it's not, it often seems to me like kind of superfluous, but, uh, you know, so th- that's, would be an example of something that's, that's kind of fun to do collaboratively. That yeah. I yeah. Know. Do you get like, um, you mentioned you don't write bridges. Like, do you, like, I know sometimes like when I try to write, um, I, I get kind of like neurotic about like, you know, like the structure of the song, like, oh, you know, it's supposed to like be, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, whatever. Like, are you able to sort of leave that shit, you know, off to the side and just write whatever you're coming up with? No, I mean, my, my process is, is insanity at this point. You know, (laughs) what I basically do is I, every song I write usually has like three parts and a bunch of verses and I record it. And then I just take everything back. And to sometimes where if you ever listen to my record and you hear like a song that's like 45 seconds or two lines, I guarantee you it was a 10 minute song 
Right. <laughs> I just go. And the thing with me is I just go, you know, I, I have a, th- I'm not a Godard fan. And if anyone hears this and they love Godard, I'm sorry. I just don't really like him, but he did say <laughs> something um, that I thought was amazing. I can't remember. I think maybe it was Melville or some other director. He was saying his, his advice was just cut, just cut to the interesting parts. Yeah. It doesn't like people will figure it out. And what I do, and I'm kind of an impatient listener. Like I wish live shows were 20 minutes. Like I just am not a fan of the, like it's hard for me. And a lot of my favorite writers do these really long, lyrically intense um, songs. And even then I usually at a certain point stop the song or like what I find myself doing is fast forwarding so I can get to a certain verse. Even if I like all the verses, um, it's just the way that my mind works. So when I'm listening to my own thing and I probably over prune, but I just go, you know, uh, like I liked it at first, but this is, I don't really care about that part. I'm just waiting to get to this one part or this one line. Yeah. You know, and then I say, fuck it, I'm just gonna cut everything except for except for that. Or if not actually just in the editing process, maybe in the songwriting process or or, or redo it. Or if there's a guitar part, whatever, whatever part there is where I'm just like, I really like this thing, I'll just cut out the, the rest of it. Uh, what like how do you know like what I mean, I don't know, this is kind of like how do you know what to cut though i mean like like just what's interesting to you like that's it right like just you you know you're not thinking about like oh i wonder if somebody else might find this interesting or yeah this is where this is where the collaboration versus (laughs) on my own comes in because and everyone i've worked with has been really closely i've had three very close collaborators i've collaborated with different people but um but Glenn Donaldson and Skyger Leopards, Ben Chazney on my own stuff, New Bums and Jason Cleaver on Skyger Leopards on my own stuff. And all three of them would give you, like I've brought the same songs to them and they all gravitate towards different things. And I, this is a thing that it's not true for everybody, but if you go and if you know a bunch of musicians and bands and you say, Hey, what should I do with my music or somebody else's music? The answer nine times out of 10 is they, you know, they won't put it like this, but it will be like, it should sound more like my band. Right. I mean, you know, it's always like, you know, if they have a really tight rhythm section, you should tighten your rhythm section, whatever it is, you know, yeah. and a collaboration that works well, I think is like somebody zeroes in on that thing, but I don't think there's a right and there's a wrong thing. Now, I think somebody that was, even if they weren't a, like, songwriting collaborator somebody that was like a really great editor yeah maybe they could you know do wonders i i can't think of any musical um example that i know like people like thomas wolf and their you know writers were known for like their editors were like you know were were known as being some you know the people that really like formed their uh style by just Raymond carver I think Raymond Carver was another one. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't even know Raymond Carver's work that much, but uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was Chasney, but one of my buddies was recently telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you hear, and this is the maddening thing is there isn't any right answer 
there is probably better decisions that could have been made that you could make one way or another, but it's, it's impossible to like, you get so far into the weeds. So like, I know that I remember Robert Pollard of Guided by Voices saying that he had some beef with like one of the bass players, like the guy that's on alien lanes and stuff. Um, and uh, because he said he needed an editor and this is not a controversial opinion, but I would go, but does he, isn't that part of like the, isn't that part of like what sets him apart and part of the whole process? And if you tr- you start getting into things, even things where you're just like, I don't like this one thing somebody does, but sometimes that's what's like, pro- like in some mysterious way was propping up the whole thing, yeah. you know? So it's hard to, um, it's hard to, uh, just go in and just say, nah, this, this part sucks. I mean, you know, maybe you could, you know, maybe some like obvious stuff, like, you know, maybe like there's, you could take the flute off of Nico's Chelsea girls. Right. Like, right. Sure. Yeah. I like, I, I'd be very surprised if we got a mix and I'd be like, no, it, it turns out it sucked without, <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like, you know, these, these, uh, these other things, I think it's it's delicate what you remove and what you keep. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about when you said the flute off of. I'm thinking about like all the you know like all the overproduction on uh, Towns's records, Towns mm-hmm. Vanzant's records. You know, like he he was you know like God like a, a lot of people aren't very fond of. I mean, I love the guy, but like, but yeah, just that sort of oversaturated production on some of that stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, he's also. I mean, well. Like, Though I would say, sure, because I think it's almost, it, it must be near 100% consensus with Towns fans that the thing that they care about is him. Yeah. And his voice, his guitar playing, and his songwriting. And as close as you can get to just him, the better it seems to be. But if you, like, uh, in the the uh, liner notes to Neil Young's Decade compilation, yeah. he talks about um, A Man Needs a Maid, because people are just like hate the strings on it. And I don't honestly, I don't love the strings on it. It's a little much for me, but he talks about how Bob Dylan was like Bob Dylan's favorite Neil Young song. Right. And so he was like, he says, you know, fuck all these people. Like he's like, it's Bob Dylan's favorite song. Um, and I also, you know, Dylan's taste in music is insane, but uh, like that's where you, you know, so who knows? Like, and you know who knows what people think a hundred years from now if you like to think of things in that way maybe people will be like yeah Neil Young actually kind of sucked except for a man needs a maid with his <laughs> strings you know yeah, who knows yeah. do you have a favorite Neil record um I you know as I thought of decade I mean that's a comp that is one of those I often don't like comps that is one of those great like like uh juvenilia or the the um um god what's the chills one or anyway but um terminal tower it's one of those great comps but if, if it was just an album i mean probably after the gold rush that's a little bit yeah. of a boring answer but it's this it's just kind of perfect to me and yeah, yeah. i think like the hipster opinion would be like on the beach or something like that or uh you know like like a lot of people will say that but yeah i, I, I mean, agree I, I i love on the beach too and but you know i love harvest that 
They're all great. I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you asked Michael Tapscott about that, but I'm sure he has some very definite opinions. Being, yeah, yeah, he said he uh, he said he saw him at uh, in Berkeley a few weeks back or something. Have, have you have you seen him live at all? I saw him, yeah, a couple times, um, and well, two, uh, two times, one with Crazy Horse and one with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And um, when I saw him with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I, I can't remember. This was been maybe fifteen years ago. I, I don't know, somewhere around there. I wasn't like kind of a friend, uh, kind of drugged me to it uh, because I was, uh, you know, I don't love like huge crowds. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, and I'm like, man, I love Neil Young, and I love Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young, but for one, I actually prefer that first CSN album over the second one, even though I prefer Neil Young. Like, I don't know, I I always like the first one better, but also I was like, I don't really care about seeing. And this is what I thought at the time. I'm like, I don't really care about seeing these other guys live. And then, and I, I just thought this is going to be worse than Neil Young because Neil Young was still so vital. And those guys hadn't put out, in my opinion, a good record in so long. Yeah. And um, I was, I went to that show and it blew me away and it was better than the, I love Crazy Horse, but it was better than the Crazy Horse show. And it, it kind of blew my mind. Like, uh, um, I don't know if you ever saw one of these shows, but like, like they had Neil Young, they like, you know, had you know they wheeled out a piano and he sat down and he played you know after the gold rush and um you know uh like crosby and um nash were singing harmony and i was like my mind was blown this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and then graham nash sat down and did our house a song i don't really think about that much but it like was mind-blowing seen in that context where you're just like oh rather than it just being a staple of FM radio and this kind of thing where you go, it's a little sacrament is kind of cool, but like seeing just, you know, just the person just, you know, sitting down and playing it was so good. And at the end they did uh, keep on rocking in the free world and Neil Young and uh, Stephen Sills are basically playing noise guitar for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And, like they're just like it's just like you know they're just egging each other on and like uh you know stills is playing a blues solo and then neil young just starts laying into the tremolo bar and so stills is just kind of like starts stepping on his solo and it just becomes chaos and graham nash i think was playing acoustic guitar and i'll never forget i don't know if they do this every night or what but it just keeps going on and graham nash just starts screaming off mic he's like ah! And he and he runs and he like falls on his knees and it's so ridiculous and so great and um and Crosby this you know almost cut my hair is not a song I've ever really liked and I saw and I've never really liked Crosby as a lead singer and I saw them play and the wind was blowing and Crosby lit into that song he looked like a Greek god yeah Everybody lost their mind. Like, and I guarantee you 90% of people didn't come there to hear almost cut my hair, but he had such presence. Yeah. I think that's true of like, if you look back, um, you know, as the decades go by and you look back at music, there's a lot of things that probably as just a listener of 
records or people that weren't there. You just go, I don't get why people are this into such and such. But sometimes you get little glimpses of that where you go, okay, I kind of, I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not, uh, yeah. Presence on stage. I mean, that's, I mean, you either have it or you don't, I think. Right. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, some people just have that sort of that magical way of connecting with people. I just interviewed, uh, I don't know if you know Connie Converse. Have you ever heard of her? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That, there was just like a book written about her, like a, a, a biography written about her. And I interviewed the author and, um, and yeah, we were just kind of talking about like, you know, just her ability to just sort of stop people in their tracks with her, you know, just her vocal timbre and, you know, and, and whatever, like, it's just, you know, there's a million people that can play and sing, but it, it, you know, not everybody can, can just bowl people over. So. Yeah. yeah. She, she's got some killer uh, lyrics too. There was, I'm, I'm totally spaced on the, the name of the song, but there is, maybe we'll come to me before the interview is done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of starting to get into some of her music. Like after I listened to that or after I interviewed that guy, but, uh, I know that she has a song called Talking Like You, I think. It's really good. And uh, I don't know. She was kind of ahead of her time in a lot of different ways. But, yeah. Um, so you said you don't really dig crowds that much. Like when you lived in the city, when, when you lived in San Francisco, did you go out much for live music or any of that? Or Not really. I mean, I don't even mind. Like I, I lived, I, I'm living basically in the country now, but... Um, in San Francisco, I lived in the Mission District, which is a very busy, you know, part of the city. Um, there's constantly people around, and that didn't really bother me. I don't like, you know, I don't love going to the farmer's market. I don't love, I don't love crowded <laughs> shows. It just takes me, it takes me out of it. I feel um, like when you were telling that story about going and seeing somebody play, like, acoustic guitar and yeah here's zeppelin um i just kind of have that even in in different situations like i always have that thing where i'm a pretty quiet person i mean i just yak and yak if in certain situations but just if i'm on the street like i don't want to draw attention to myself um if i'm at a show and i'm just watching you know i just want to hear what's going on and I'm not saying this is the right way to be, but it's the way that I've always been. And kind of just, you know, the idea of going to a show and it's really crowded and people are just, yeah, kind of getting loud and participating. There's nothing inherently wrong with this. (laughs) It's just so much not like it just, you know, maybe I don't have the nerves for it or whatever, but I just find myself just wishing everyone could just be quiet or, or I, I hear you. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally relate to that. Yeah. I, and what you said earlier about not being like a patient listener or whatever, I'm kind of the same. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to be shouting encore at the end of a show. And, you know, if I go to a baseball game, I'm probably going to leave in the eighth inning and whatever. Like I just, you know, I'm just that type of person too. I just, you know, I, I kind of get my fill and then I'm ready to, I'm ready to take off. Um, even doing this show, like I'm, I'm a pretty reclusive type of person, but like I kind of started this show just so I could connect with more like-minded people. But like, 
in general, I don't really like start conversations with people very much. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm just not that type of type of person, but yeah. So it, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's great that you do do this. I, I feel the, the same way. Um, you know, I, and I think specifically with music, there's a billion different ways that you can look at music or art or whatever, but to me, I like kind of getting lost in the dream of a thing, which is why I don't like the noise and all these things in my peripheral, you know, that's kind of take me out of it. But I do think a kind of cool thing about um, things like uh, your podcast and, and that type of thing is that kind of can keep you in it because it's such a, like a, uh, quiet format in a way and i remember during like uh pandemic when all the shows like late night shows and stuff it was yeah. just like people on their right. computer i never watched or really cared about late night but i was like you know so this is pretty good <laughs> when it was just like that when i was like oh it's just somebody trying to be funny and thinking of things i mean they have writers or whatever um and you kind of get that more direct connection i think a lot of people and you have this with music um just kind of want to have a crowd communal experience. And this yeah. is one of the interesting things that happens with people's like careers and just whatever it is. Like there's some, there. I mean, well, one, there's certain bands, especially like rock bands or whatever, something that's very like kind of loud that you can talk and it, you know, while it's happening and it doesn't disturb people that they could never have made a record and do well live Right. And, you know, and I've, you know, some bands like that I do like, and because you can just go and it's just like this experience, like we're going to go and we're going to have fun. And then there's, you know, like you're, it's probably not going to be the case if you see me or, you know, a lot of people, it's more like, yeah, if you go into it, like looking for this thing where you're like listening to, you know, for like, you know, the lyrics and just like the vibe, even if you didn't catch all the lyrics, you, you could get into a certain thing. Um, and you know, uh, but for some people, like, you know, it's the opposite of not wanting a crowd, like they want to be part of something and feel part of something. That's okay too. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm more like, uh, what you're describing. I just yeah. kind of get lost yeah. in those things. You know? Yeah. 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 I always go for, you know, if I'm going to go to a show, I, I got to really, really like somebody, um, you know, like what you were talking about there. Like, I remember I went to a show at the Exit Inn one time in Nashville, and like it was the lineup was Jessica Pratt and uh, Panda Bear, and it was uh, just a weird fucking bill. And like Jessica Pratt opened, and she got up there with her guitar, and like nobody. I mean, I love Jessica Pratt, and that's why I went to the show. But like, no, most people were there to see Panda Bear, and like they were just like talking and like completely drowning her out, you know. And then like. Um, and it was just like, what the, f like, first of all, who made this bill? But then second of all, like, I don't know. It was just a, a, a not, and then he got up and did his DJ set with all the visuals behind him. And it was, it was really, really strange. But, but yeah, like you said about going for like a communal experience, like, you know, going to like sweat with other people and like, I, that's not really why I go to shows. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and Sky Green Leopards kind of came, you know, for first strike was like 2001 and we started doing shows a little bit after that. But we came up in this time where 
a lot of promoters were like, okay, let's try, we'll have like a noise band and then we'll have, you know, whatever. <laughs> and a lot of our friends at the time had noise bands and stuff. And so we liked the idea of it, but you so often we go terribly wrong. And the height of this is we played this festival in Belgium and they're just trying to stack it where it wouldn't just be too like, I don't know, overwhelming or something. So they had us follow Boris I don't okay. know if you know yeah. it was insane. And they're like they're like pushing like orange stacks off, off of the stage. And meanwhile, we had two acoustic guitars and our drummer had one brought like one mallet and had like a tom drum was in a tambourine. <laughs> and we're like, oh dude, this is gonna be it's this is gonna be rough. We're gonna get killed. Yeah. And you know what? It was so much worse than we could have imagined. People <laughs> hated it. People were just like, people, it, it, it kind of changed the trajectory of the band. I think probably in a good way, but people were like, it was in Belgium, but then there's a lot of people from Germany. And then people were just like, Sky Green Leopards, get off the stage. <laughs> like, then like a cigarette th- thrown at him. Like, this guy kept telling him to take off his hat. He's like, take off your hat. I didn't know Ben Chaz's name. Later became my you know best buddy, but like I didn't really know him at the time. But Six Organs was playing, and it, that set was going so badly <laughs> that Ben went and bought us all beers, walked on stage in the middle of a shit like it was a festival, so there was like a lot of I don't know how many people, like hundreds and hundreds of people, and just walked on stage and just handed us beers because he was like, Jesus, this is this is yeah. rough. Um, were you able to like were you able to sort of have a laugh at that or were you pretty like were you sweating at the time when that was happening at the time it was and this was kind of early on in sky green leopards um i can't this would have been like maybe two it have been like 2004 2005 um while i was up there a kind of a piece came to me i wasn't enjoying it right. at all i wasn't like, <laughs> i wasn't like one of those guys i was just like fuck you you know whatever and part of it was it's not the nature of the band. It wasn't like, you know, I'm not in the Stooges where it would make sense for me to go like and jump in the crowd and scream at somebody like um, and there's people there that like the band and stuff. So it was just weird because my, you know, so at the time I just just felt like this real intense inner quiet. And it was okay. And then as soon as I got off, I was like, not happy. And, um, and I, there was this big backstage and I went there and there was this filthy ancient, um, sofa with these, you know, oversized cushions. And I just took them off the couch and laid on the couch and then put the cushions back on. I was also fucking wasted at this point, uh, and put them on me. And I was like, uh, and, um, Leah Quimby, who used to be in Magic Markers, came and took off the thing. She was like, that was a great set, you know? And I was like, uh, and uh, and we all end up having a good time. And uh, and then I was like, I was like, who cares? Like, I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. A lot of people think that's, that's rad. Uh, who cares? Like, you should make music. You know, we're not in the business of doing things that are down the middle of the road. They didn't like it. Some people liked it. Um, though after that, that's when we stopped sitting down okay. and Sky never sat down at a show again. Cause I was like, cause I felt we, me and Glenn agreed. We're like, we felt like we were like held hostage. 
because you couldn't move. And it was, it was just so, so we're like, that's it, dude. We're, we're not going to, we didn't like become a rock band, but we're like, okay, we're, we're standing up and my play electric guitars from then on out. <laughs> yeah. But you stayed on stage and completed it, right? You, yeah. Even yeah. though, as I even referenced earlier, when I'm like, I wish bands played 20 minutes, Sky and Leopard's like, our songs were like two, two and a half minutes. We didn't jam. So we were just like, we, we did tours. I didn't even, we were kind of naive. We didn't realize later that this is totally unacceptable if you go over to UK, Europe, or whatever. Like they want an hour long set if you're headlining. Our set was like 25 minutes max. And we didn't even know any of our songs beyond that. So it's not even like we could have kept going. Yeah. But we're like, hey, that's, everyone's had enough. That's enough because 25 minutes, that's like three of our, you know, not three of our albums, but it was like the majority of a couple of our albums. Yeah. Um, and uh, we thought it was enough. So our set wasn't super long, but yeah, we stayed, you know, yeah, yeah. we did. <laughs> uh, what about playing solo? Like, do you, do you enjoy that part of the, part of the music business? <laughs> I do. You know, I used to have this, um, like, uh, a little, little saying that I came up with was, um, my least favorite part about touring was the shows. Like, cause I used to just be like, you know, driving around, having drinks, that's cool. But I just don't want to, I don't want to play my set. But now as I got older, it kind of changed. Um, and the last kind of, I haven't toured since the pandemic, but I've done some shows, but the last few years of playing, I've just enjoyed it much more. And I, I kind of think part of it's just, you know, getting older and um, I don't know, just learning to uh, kind of slow things down in my mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just, just kind of appreciate, you know, the situation. And also it took me a while to learn how to think of um, just not care as much like what, what my experience was and just taking on faith that there's somebody in there, even if it's like a really small show or a show that's not going well, there's somebody there that like really cares about what you're doing yeah. and you can't cater to, you know, yourself all the time or to like the negative parts about it. Like you also have to like, remember like, Hey, you know, maybe this person really cares about these songs and they're only going to see you one time. maybe. And so Again, I'm not one of these people that's like, I don't have it in me to be like the consummate, like entertainer where I'm going to come up and be like, hey, guys, I'm not like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> but I do. As time went on, I, I definitely felt like I became better at being aware of that. And consequently, it made me enjoy playing a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so you, where have you played like in recent years, like just up north where you are or? Yeah, you know, uh, lately, since the pandemic thing, uh, <laughs> I've played uh, just a couple times here in town, but not um, on my own. We have this thing up here. There's a bunch of uh, folks up here that I'm buddies with that are great musicians. Uh, there's Ben Chasney, his partner, my other best friend, Elise Ambrosia, who does like magic markers. Um, Ethan Miller, who's in Comets of Fire and Feral Homes and Howlin' Rain and stuff, and um, Meg Baird, yeah, uh, 
and um, uh, her partner, Charlie, who were both in Heron Oblivion. We all live like within 20 minutes of each other. So we have this thing that we've been doing called Winter Band, okay. like season winter, winter band. Right. And, um, uh, and we've, we haven't, I don't know if we'll do recordings or whatever, but we, it's kind of a collective people. So it's whoever's in town. So we played like a, like uh bitch and Bajas came through town. And so we played the show with them. Um, we got a show coming up with uh, Sir Richard Bishop. Oh yeah. And it's just like, you know, Ben collaborates with and, you know, is obviously an amazing uh, artist, guitarist. And uh, so it's been really fun because it's like an improvisational band and we get together and just play also. Um, but it's been really fun because I don't, well, one, I don't have to like sing. Um, and, you know, in the depth chart of who's going to be the singer and winter band, I'm like, wait, I'm way down there. So I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to have to sing, but um you know, it's it, it's just been like purely like kind of the show. Like I think what we do is really good. It's not tossed off, but it's largely improvisational. And um, yeah, so uh, that that's where I've played recently. Before that, uh, me and uh, Ben did a tour. It wasn't a, we did some new bum songs, but we did a living room tour, which we had talked about forever. Oh, cool. Um, just up the West coast. And it was so much fun. It was like the most fun that I'd had in a while. And me and Ben both, you know, we're just like, you know, it'd be cool. Just like people that were really into it. We just kind of put it out and we're just like, if anybody's a fan or whatever. And we, um, we didn't get up into to Canada, but we went as far as Seattle and then just went down to San Diego and I don't know if we'll ever do it again. We had so much fun. And then, you know, again, like the COVID and stuff just kind of threw everything off. And now tours are just like so backed up. But um, hopefully we'll do it again because it was it was a really fun experience. And just to kind of, I mean, I love bars, but to not be in bars every night and just kind of talk to people and hang out. And Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. I, I, I think there's a... Uh, organization or a i don't know if it's a label or a touring outfit called uh, undertow uh i think it's a label undertow records but they um they do living room shows with like will johnson and david bazan and damian urato like all of those guys kind of do regular living room circuits and uh yeah i remember seeing will johnson one time and like it was in buffalo and like we just went there and like ate some food before the show with like the owners of the home. And then, you know, Will just played a set and, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, again, I'm not like the most social person, so it was a little bit um, intimate for my liking. But at the same time, it was still pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the same thought. I was like, would I really, would this be like my ideal thing to go to? But you know, but I, I think I could get into it. And the the first kind of house show of that sort that I went to, I think, and I, why well, I played it was uh, Simon Joyner, who's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love Simon. And way back when, I don't know when it would have been maybe 15 years ago, he played in San Francisco and the, the mission and invited me to come and play in somebody's, uh, living room and um 
God, he was so, I mean, Simon was great every time, but him and his band were so on fire. And to the point where, you know, I, I was there with some, a couple of friends who like were big fans and some friends that were like, maybe didn't like totally get it. Um, just listened to it beforehand. And we're just like into different sorts of music or whatever it was. And he like made them devotees. Like wow, just seeing yeah. them like that, like intimately was way more effective than in a, in a club. And I've seen him and I played with him, uh, me and Ben did in a, in a club. And he was, he's, uh, he's always great. But like just being like where it was almost like he was like talking right to you with his just killer lyrics really had an effect. And I, I, I think for me with the living, sh- living room show, it's not for everybody. I do like one thing I like about a bar or a club or whatever, a th- small theater because you can just like hang back and be anonymous and feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Cause I'm like, same thing. Like if I go, if I don't, I'm pretty social if I know people, but if I don't know somebody and you know, I might go to a show, maybe nobody wants to go, or maybe I know one person, but he knows, a, you know, or they know a bunch of other people there. Like, I'm just going to like, I'm pretty, as I've gotten older, I'll just stay, I'll just stay in a corner and just be like, okay, no, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'll just be here. Yeah. staring at walls and stuff but i'm yeah. not gonna go like hey are you from here or, you know like, <laughs> yeah. you know if there's a good restaurant i heard about like I, I don't know what the you're supposed to do but i'm just like not gonna do it um yeah. so that part about it you know you know i could see it being a little iffy but the performance part about being like you're just being right right there and again it's a thing about being quiet because unless things have really gone sideways. The idea of one of these shows is it's just going to be people that are there for that. And it's going to be pretty quiet and kind of just like an inviting environment. Um, The thing that we found with it is, and everybody that put together one of the shows was really cool, but some of the people were just like expert and not even necessarily because they had done it before, but because they were just like basically great hosts and they're like, you know, they just figure it out like, hey, we'll have this thing and people will come in here and they just kind of a great host. I would think of that's part of the thing is, is just making sure people are comfortable. Like they don't have to do things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. Feel awkward. You know, it's like you try to think like, when is this person going to like, you know, feet, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, it's just like, you know, the bathroom is up here and it's like, for instance, a good host is not going to put like the band like right next to a restroom where somebody needs to go. <laughs> and use a restroom. That would be, I mean, that would be a bad move, you know, but uh, some people have a real uh, ability for it. But anyway, hopefully I haven't thought of this in a while, but uh, hopefully me and Ben do another one of those. Cause that was, that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love the concept as well. Um, Yeah. I saw Joyner at, uh, in, at the Earl in Atlanta one time and man, he, he, quieted the crowd there too he's he's amazing um any other like i i always love your taste in music like um i you know whenever you recommend something whenever you're doing an interview or something i'm always like making sure i take notes i i i remember uh you know you turned me on to like what the hell's that i don't even know how to pronounce that band's name like os mutantes or something yeah those yeah. guys and circulatory system. I remember you mentioned oh, yeah. them one time. Kevin, yeah. Ke- Kevin Ayers. 
Yeah, um, Kevin Ayers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you you whenever you're dropping names, I'm always taking notes because <laughs> it's 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 all like delightfully uh weird and right up my alley. So, but other than Joyner, any other like contemporary songwriters that are really uh, you know, blowing your mind these days or Well, you know, I mean, this isn't he's not not new. I mean, it came out at the same time as me, but uh my buddy james toth who does wood wand oh yeah me ben chazzy and james um have been working on a long time we're we're gonna well i guess maybe i'm not supposed to talk about this now because we're about to announce it but i'll just talk about it anyway uh well (laughs) we're we've been working on um a zine for a long time and um so we've all written articles for this thing so I think in a, the next few weeks we'll announce it and we'll put stuff out there. Um, but uh, but uh, James, I mean, well, a, a bunch of my friends. James was the guy. Skyrim Leopards used to tour with Wooden Wand, the Vanishing Voice, um, a decent amount in the early days, and he was always the guy that I thought. As I've gotten older, I've you know, I don't for better or worse, I'm not competitive i was a little bit when i was younger i i watched that this arnold schwarzenegger thing document <laughs> yeah as lately and he's like talking about destroying people and you know whatever it is and i'm like i don't really have that but when i was younger i had a little bit more and um you know i didn't have an ego about everything i was like oh god i can't sing i can't play guitar whatever but i was I came into the game with a strong sense of my, you know, feeling that I was a good writer. I was like, that's the one thing I could do. And the one person, I'm not saying that there weren't others, the one person who I saw, and he continues to do this, where I'm just like, oh, man, he's so fucking good, (laughs) is is James. Like, with Wooden One, like, he just... I mean, and if you want to talk about somebody who's great at like balancing humor and just having the killer, you know, dark lines, like can just take it any different way. Yeah. Um, it would be James. And it's kind of the, the, the scene that we're working on doesn't have anything to do with lyrics or songwriting really. Um, but I want to try to figure out a way to get some of that into it because just talking to him and I mean, those Ben and James know so much more. I know a decent amount of about music, but those guys are just encyclopedic. And, um, you know, so they're always kind of uh, coming in with with uh, great uh, suggestions. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, is it is it sort of music journalism in a way, though, the, the zine? It is. Well, yeah. we're. We're we're kind of we're basically making it's about you know and we'll we we're working up little statements that we'll put out that will be a better you know articulation of it but it's basically about recording yeah. and the art of recording okay. um, but with a hopefully a pretty unique spin on it but yeah. Um, but yeah it's been it's been really inspiring. Uh, kind of you know because we have weekly meetings like this over you know um james is in wisconsin then yeah. only lives 50 minutes away but you know we don't get together for it. we just do it all <laughs> remotely um and just kind of talk about music and getting ideas is yeah, yeah. it's it, it's been awesome yeah. and it is one of the things that has changed you know for the better from when i first started doing music is if 
somebody lives in a different part of the country, they may as well have been, you know, a hundred, you know, thousand miles away and a hundred years away from me. Like I, I would have no, I'm not a good corresponder, uh, but just the ability to have those like meetings where we're talking about like all this stuff is, it's just been great. Yeah. 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 That, that James and the giants album from this year is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, I would say his, that album and uh, I don't know, there's something about that tap Scott album too, that, that really, uh, blew me away this year i don't know same sort of thing like just the 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 humor and the lyrics and uh yeah like i don't know have you did you hear that song when lisa got pregnant by tapscott i haven't i've got i've fallen and if tapscott if you hear this i apologize i have not heard this uh i've not heard this yet i've just kind of been out of the loop but uh, yeah yeah you gotta yeah dig that album check that out my beasts of history or whatever but yeah because well he told a funny story too he's like you know when when absalom came out um you know i texted donovan and said you know good great job man the record sounds good and then he's like yeah donovan texted back and he said yeah man i love your parts thanks and then michael was like i don't think i had any parts on that record (laughs) but he's like he, he forgot or something i don't know he d- he does. He, the Absalom was uh, that is, and I'm very proud. That might be my favorite album I've done. I don't know. I've, I have a couple I really like, but it it really is the chronicle of just some kind of mania because I some of those things were so old and were redone so many times, um, and it all started with um, I took Tapscott and. Um, Eric Amerman and Jason Cleaver, and we all went to this recording studio in Sacramento that was owned by the publisher of Tape Hop. And so it was this amazing studio. And we recorded all the stuff, and I had a little bit of a budget for that one. And I brought it home, and I just hated it. I was like, this album sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I owed the the I owed it to this label and I was like, this, I don't want to put this out. This, I don't like it. And it was more high fidelity and everyone's parts were great, but it just didn't like that, you know, when to go back to the earlier part of the interview when we're talking about, you know, just sensibilities and things like connect everything that they don't have anything to do with production or genre or whatever. This was kind of, um, that was the problem that I had with it. It was, it it didn't seem like an album of mine. There was a, and a, but I, I didn't know why. Right. And so what I just did is I started recording different things, um, you know, at home with um, Jason. And then I, I was always haunted by these sessions that I had abandoned um, that were recorded with just the best gear you can imagine and all this stuff. <laughs> And so we, I, we'd go back and I was like, what if we just take the bass and drums from this part? And then I would be like, okay, but why don't I take the lyrics from that one song I had five years ago and then put it over those bass and drums from seven years ago? And I was like, no, this should be a suite. So we're going to take that one part. <laughs> it just like... Well, yeah, like Satanic Summer Nights is kind of like that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Satanic Summer Nights. I was very proud of that one, and it's it's so many like and it like I was talking about earlier. Like I just cut things out where I'm just like, 
you know, just cut to the interesting parts. That's kind of like a collage of things where I'm like, to me, they fit together. It's actually completely different songs. They have nothing to do with each other. And then like lyrically, I made them link up. Yeah. But, um, but I was like, but they have something that's of the same spirit to me. And so, uh, but it was all done like, you know, there, there's like Tap Scott has little parts in within one song that he would have recorded like five years apart. Right. Okay. I have things where it goes from it cuts from a vocal of mine to another vocal of mine that are like seven years apart, which is craziness. But like, it's just the the thing. Or sometimes I didn't know what I didn't like about something, and then much much later, I was like, okay, I get it. Has nothing to do with the band. It has to do with like this lyric. I don't like this. And then I redid it. And so, um, yeah. So it's not surprising that he or anyone on the album would be like, am I even, where am I? Like, I don't know what this is because it was so mixed up. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right on. Um, so apart from the zine, man, are you like, would you, do you think you're still as inspired? as you've ever been to write songs or has that like with like with age, you know, as you've gotten a little older, has that desire to write worn off a little or are you still excited about it? I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I think I've definitely slowed down. I used to be very prolific. Um, Like I just feel like, Oh, we got an album, like give me two weeks and I write. And that's inconceivable to me now. Um, but I think about it all the time. And I mean, I'm actually like right now in this, I, after I moved, I have this, we have, there's a detached garage I've converted into a studio. It just kind of completed a couple of weeks ago. Me and Bid Chasney put in like the ce- ceiling and all kinds oh, of wow. stuff. Um, and this will kind of, you know, be, I've already recorded like half of a record, but um yeah, I'm actually planning on because like the Absalom thing, it, it's a little bit weird because I've recorded total, complete albums and then just shelved them. And sometimes later I, I go back and I'm like, I don't know, this is pretty good. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. So I'm actually trying to change it up where I think what I'm going to just start doing is just putting stuff out with like, just put it, put it through Bandcamp or whatever. And just because I have like, I still write a lot of songs and just not try to think of it as this thing where I'm trying to guess or where it's not, you know, I wouldn't put it up anything that I thought was bad, but something where I'm just like, yeah, is this the best way you could do the song, you know, and just kind of get away from that. So I have a complete entire album I recorded in 2020 with Jason Queaver. Oh, wow. um, That I just was like kind of leaving. I was like, "Ah, I can't tour to promote it or whatever. I think I'm just going to put it out. And then since then I have, you know, a whole album of things. I think I'm just going to record completely on my own and which I haven't done that in in a while. Um, And then, you know, I'm going to just try to, you know, it'll be like, Oh, here's an album. And then in, five, six weeks after that, I'm just going to put out another album. I say that. We'll see if this happens. I've said this before. And then like, I can't do it. But, um, but yeah, I feel pretty, I, I feel pretty inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know some people have like the, 
I don't know, the, the Patreon thing. A lot of like songwriters do that. You know what I mean? I think even James has one, maybe. James has one. And I was, I've talked to when James and Ben. It's a good model. Uh, you know, I have... It always runs into a lot of issues. I, I have had <laughs> whatever kind of music career I've had. I think it's odd. It's been odd in that it's always been a very small audience, but there's been a decent amount of people who have been very invested in me. Like, I know, like, you know, a few people with, you know, Donovan Quinn, you know, related tattoos and things are crazy, but like, yeah. and then, but I must have like the, the most weird listener to tattoo ratio because it's, <laughs> it's such a small amount of people, you know? And, um, you know, uh, yeah. So in terms of just kind of like what you're doing it for and how to put it out and everything, there's always so many different questions with it. Um, which is recently again, while I've kind of settled on just like, you know, not thinking about it at all and just being like, well, I think this is good. I, uh, thought a lot about it i came up with this thing and here it is and if you want to find it find it if you don't then that's okay too (laughs) yeah yeah well you've and you've never been like the biggest guy for like social media or self-promotion or any of that bullshit right i can't do it and you know the thing is is i don't it doesn't bother me other people but i don't know if it's how i was raised or the era or if it's something that's just mysteriously in me somehow but the idea of me going to people and being like you know who's a fucking <laughs> bad me you know, <laughs> you know hey i'm about to blow your mind now listen it's it's crazy to me like i can't do it and there's a few avenues to kind of do okay financially or you know in terms of recognition or whatever with um kind of independent music making and one and one of the easiest if you don't tour a lot is um is um just going on social media and promoting yourself and there's nothing wrong with it but i've just realized over time like i don't want to do it and it's not even a thing you know i see sometimes a lot of the time the common thing people do is they go i'm going to take a break from social media I can't make myself stay on social media. It's not like I'm trying to take a break. I can't do it. Like I, I look through it and like, I, you know, I have like an Instagram thing and stuff, but I, I, you know, I'm like, "Eh, you know, this is to me, it's just like a bunch of pictures and then I just just get bored. And I'm not saying other people should be bored or, or whatever, but I just, um, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. What, what is like your sort of your general media diet? Like, do you, uh, you read a lot? Do you like watch a lot of movies? Do you, you know, I mean, I read, I go through periods where I get lazy with it, but that's obviously reading is, is kind of what started it all for me. Um, I mean, I always love music, but kind of getting into literature and stuff is, it was the big spark for me. When I'm in a good place, and I really haven't been lately, where I'm reading a lot, that's usually when I'm happiest. And I mean, like, with me, that's, you know, literature, you know, is usually what I'm I'm reading. Um, 
never been that much of a nonfiction guy. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I, you know, I'll check out, I'll go down a lot of rabbit holes on YouTube. Facebook is never on. Um, Instagram, Twitter, that kind of thing just never really appealed to me. Yeah. Do you, um, do you follow the news at all? Uh, I mean, I didn't for years. I worked at a newspaper when I was young, um, like right before starting Sky Green Leopards. And uh, it kind of just soured me on, on the news and I didn't really follow it for years, but just the things have changed. It seems almost impossible not to. Um, so I do follow it. Um, probably not as much as a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I try to keep, you know, abreast of, of, of what's going on and stay informed that at the same time, like I don't want to be, go through an emotional roller coaster that's uh been contrived by some news organization. So like I'd like to get the information but not have it you paint my worldview. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. But Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's like with social media sometimes I think that can be problematic with that format, you know, kind of like steering you towards things you wouldn't otherwise be interested in or whatever it's kind of nice to curate your own interests and not be you know influenced by other shit (laughs) yeah no exactly well and it's also when i think about i mean i mean my two probably my two favorite you know um experiences with art or would be reading a novel and listening to an album um, but with novels, I mean, they're the, one of the things I love about it is it's just kind of stripping away all these, you know, outside things. You just you just delve into this world. But within that world, you know, you can become informed about all kinds of things, even if it's fictional, um, just because you're seeing this other viewpoint that's just you know, in, in everything that someone's describing, like what they're editing out, the way that they describe a landscape or, you know, the person's face or, or whatever. And that's kind of um, the kind of writing, you know, I fell in love with that kind of got me interested in stuff. And it's, that's kind of like the opposite of what a lot of social media and social media slash news things are, which is, uh, it's just like none of that ambiguity or that, that kind of looking, searching for meaning. It's more just like, this is what this means. And this is how you feel are strongly, you know, pointing you in a direction you should feel. And it's not that that's, I guess, without merit, but it's kind of impossible for me to consume that and feel like a healthy person. Yeah, yeah. Um, Being a Bay Area guy, like, do you did you ever get into the beats, or was that something that you cared about? A little bit. Like when I was in, um, when I first got into literature, like I definitely I read Jack Kerouac and Al Ginsberg and all that stuff, and um, you know, it it probably 
hasn't stayed with me as my favorite stuff, but I like a lot about it and it definitely informed, you know, what I, what I do in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and somebody like Jack Harry had this, they do have these great, you know, it, it's a way that you could view like a city like San Francisco. I mean, I didn't grow up in San Francisco. I was like 40 minutes away, a 40 minute drive away, but like, like how you could, some stuff that's stuck with me. Like I, I, like I always still write about apartments and that kind of thing. And, and part of it comes from like early on getting into that kind of literature where it's just like this pretty like, you know, like a romantic, you know, take on like, you know, walking the street with, you know, not having a lot of money and seeing things and just, it's from a different world. Um, You know, I, when I was coming up and reading that stuff, that's like, you know, it was like early days of internet and no social media. So a lot of the time you would just, I would just be walking around and I wouldn't have anything to do for damn, (laughs) you know, and you observe things. And just so if like, you know, you have somebody like Kerouac who comes and, and kind of gets in your head of just like, look at this person smoking on their, you know, the fire escape or whatever. I mean, that's maybe more of an East coast thing, but you know, that kind of like our, uh, this view of North beach, um, you know, it sticks with you. And that's one of the beautiful things I think about literature in particular yeah. is that, that it, 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 you know, kind of enriches just the things that you see and you, you get something different from it. Having, having seen it through somebody's eyes. Yeah. 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 Can you name a few other favorite writers? Um, my favorite writers would be like, well, the, I love James Joyce and, and that kind of getting into reading a portrait of the artist as a young man when I was a teenager is what kind of led me to getting into writing and and everything. Okay. Um, so I always love James Joyce, love Samuel Beckett. Um, William Gaddis, uh, is definitely one of my favorite writers. Um, uh, he's probably best known for this novel, JR. Um, okay. Was he Lord of the Flies? No. no. Oh, oh, wait. No. No. I think who's that? William Golding or something? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I don't know why I got that mixed up. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, JR. Yeah. JR is, um, yeah. It's, JR is, it's kind of, people say it's difficult i sometimes it's not super difficult but it's all in unattributed um dialogue so you never so it's all dialogue but you it never tells you who's speaking but um he's such a was such a gifted uh dialogue writer that you know, after how many pages, you know exactly who it is just by the way that they, they speak. Right. But, okay. But just, it's not even just how anybody, he wrote uh, that book and he wrote a book before that called The Recognitions, um, which were very important to me. Um, I, there's a writer called, who I quote on uh, one of my records on the back. Uh, and, you know, I'm... I'm not going to pronounce his name totally correctly because I'm not Polish, but he, uh, his name is uh, Vitold Grombrovich. Okay. And uh, he, uh, some of his books were 
Pornographia and Cosmos. And um, his most famous one is probably, it's not my favorite one, but I, I do really love it called Ferdy Dirk, which is about this guy who's maybe based on autobiographical about Gromovich, who is uh, in his 30s and people start treating him like a child until he starts acting like a child. Like he goes back to school, like a, like nine (laughs) years old or whatever. Um, But, and I've a lot, you know, and a a lot of my friends who, whose taste I really respect and stuff. I was a Grombovich is my favorite guy. And it's really somebody either it's, it's kind of, he was a little after Kafka, but and I love Kafka, and it's it's kind of like that. It's like somebody could just be like, "This is just nonsense to me," right. or it could like, you know, or it could hit you in some way where you're just like, "This is blowing my mind," because you don't. It's it, it's there's not some formula to it. It's something, you know. And speaking of the beats, a Kerouac quote that I know from my teenage years, which I, I still think about is he said that writing was like stitching clouds together. Right. And like Gromovich is really like that type of writer. It's not just like, Oh, he writes these pithy statements or what, whatever, or it's not just his prose or a style. I don't really, if somebody's like, I, it, I couldn't defend it. It, I don't understand it. The one thing I will say, and it's a, it, about Vito. And it's something that, like, um, again, John Pryan, I think, has, and I really, one of my favorite qualities in a writer, and not that many to me have this, is when they come up with something, if they have a line, or the next thought, or whatever it is, or the word, you never would have guessed, but it it's totally the right thing. And I don't mean, like, in a twist, like a plot thing. I mean just the way that it goes you're like i never ever would have gone to that point like i never this is what i thought was coming and it completely makes sense and vito gromovich just has this genius for that you know it like you know he's one of the stories opens he's he's and and a friend are walking through like a forest and they see this dead crow that's hanging from a line and you know and a lot of it's you know it's just setting this just the the series of images you know it's this mysterious thing but you don't understand exactly why it's happening but it somehow all makes sense in the context of this world that they've invented and um with lyrics the thing that i always um talk about you know if i've had a few beers like i have now and (laughs) talking about lyrics is it doesn't have to be just like intellectual kind of like whatever scholarly like writers i think the ramones have this and i always go i think the ramones like have this brilliant lyrical universe like they have uh like uh i forget what the exact line like uh we met at the burger king fell in love by the soda machine right it's like a real it's very specific and and that and they even tie in what they're wearing and everything but it's that's not even something that's like people think oh it's just like it's kind of kitschy but it's like from real life but it's not real life like they created a ramones reality like you know exactly what it is but it's just like 
not that they're fantastical things or they're monsters or whatever, but they're editing out all this stuff and they're including certain things. And so like what they would include from this love story is a soda machine and a Burger King. So it's kind of cheap and it's kind of like, and it's funny, but it's also like telling a story. And so from there it could become heartbreaking or it could become just ridiculous or, or whatever. That right, to me is like lyrical writing. It doesn't have to be, you know, like serious poetry or, or, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's interesting for sure. Yeah, um, and yeah, it doesn't always have to like be a narrative. It doesn't always have to have a narrative arc either. It can kind of something, you know, it can be like disjointed or you know, like disconnected too. It's kind of yeah. what I was what I was saying earlier about like I don't know uh, when I like I say when I try to write songs I'm always kind of in I always have this narrative brain on and it's like you know I should just let go of that shit and just write you know just be more creative with it. <laughs> you know? Well, I will say I mean this is the thing and this is also I mean I didn't I think I just like this in music but the, when I read um, you know TSL it's the wasteland. Like it's one thing that I got from that that I connected with like Bob Dylan and 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 not just Bob Dylan but like stuff Bob Dylan was referencing like the American uh, the anthology of American folk music and stuff where like in one verse somebody's fishing and then another verse is about like some romance thing and then it doesn't have to do with anything but and again this is stitching clouds together yeah. but but it makes sense as a whole if it's coming from the same like uh, perspective. So with narrative things like, yeah, I never certain writers like uh, Bruce Springsteen or whoever um, they do do this thing where like, I'm going to write eight verses and tell this little short story. Yeah. And I do it. I, I like that. And I admire it, but I've never tried to do that. And um the thing that I always just try to do is just the fragment. And the thing is, is the listener like fills in the rest of the story. Exactly. Yeah. As long as it's like a real thing, like if you could just, you know, accurately describe, you know, just about anything that reveals like something about a situation or an environment or a character. And that's included all this other stuff you put on, it's just like, it just adds to it. You just go, okay, I know, I know what this is. Like you formed it in your mind. Like, and as I've, there's been times where I, you know, where I'm like, eh, am I being too like oblique or something? And I've never wanted to, like put in lyrics or or even just beyond myself in terms of things I recommend or to people like a movie or something like I don't want to be willfully like obscure right like yeah. that's not the point but I also feel like there's been a, a general tr trend and I could be wrong about this kind of that's kind of just like anti-intellectual that's like you know things being dumbed down yeah. and I kind of think that I was talking to Jim South about this, like, you know, very recently is I'm like, you know, it's kind of a disservice to a lot of people because, and it, and it's also, it's okay to not know what somebody's talking about exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. Like when I read first read 
portrait of the artist as a young man when I was a teenager, it's not like because I have some super brain, I'm like, oh yeah, this is up to my. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, and it was exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. It opens with this baby language, and I was just like, that was like my. I'd never heard experimental music or anything. That was my first exposure to like somebody just being like, this is radically different, and yeah. it turns out it had like this idea behind it. But even if it hadn't, even if in a lot of uh, people at the time thought James Joyce, not a lot of people, but there was definitely groups that would write about him as a surrealist, which is not a surrealist at all, but like, because they're just like, oh, this is, must be non, you know, this weird dream logic. I don't, I don't know, but um, it's, it's okay. So if, if you want to, if there's something in a song, I think, um, or whatever you're doing where you're just like, you're not doing it to like, you know, as long as you're not doing it just to like, insert artificially insert something in or just come across as you know an image thing but if you're just like this belongs in here but it's an inside reference or maybe somebody's not going to get what i'm saying because it's fragmentary or whatever reason it is if it seems right i think that's totally fine or you have people that were like more automatic writer style like sid barrett and sid barrett said like i never know uh what a song i've written is about until like I, i'm butchering this quote but he, he he's like until like a year after or maybe it was weeks after i can't remember right but basically saying like it all he it takes him a while to like figure it out you know um and what it keeps people coming back i think like when when people listen or read something that they don't quite understand you know it, they keep going they keep going back to it instead of like maybe just listening once and going okay i know what this is about now you know exactly that's yeah. exactly and I, yeah, I just think I, again, I could be totally wrong. I do think that, and maybe this is changing. There was just kind of maybe a shift in, you know, more and more people just trying to be very accessible, and um, you know, that's that's fine. And I think about that too. Again, I never want somebody. I don't want somebody to like. Oh, I like this, but I was confused by this, and you don't want people to feel like frustrated. But I do think that that feeling, because I've enjoyed it so much myself, where I'm just like, I don't know exactly what this is. Or, you know, the fall was like a really big thing for me. When I first heard the fall, I was like, I have no idea what this is. And it was so exciting because I'm like, I... I'm like, even when I understood what he was saying, I'm like, I don't like, I could kind of gather. I'm like, I think it's this, but that's the exciting thing is you just go, all right. I mean, I even take that in terms of, um, you know, like lyrics, like, you know, cause I struggle with this cause you know, I'm not most articulate in terms of being able to understand a little mush mouth and everything, but the thing is, is I like a lot of songwriters like that. And I like even like like a Shane McGowan, who I think is a great writer or whatever. I like that it's not every single thing. Like it's this kind of blurry mess, but then you can sort through it. And like, um, but some people that's going to drive them nuts. They're just going to be like, I don't like they don't want to they don't want have the, t- you know, you hear this thing. Like, I don't have the time to like whatever. And I do have the time. I have the time <laughs> to like figure out what some weirdo's saying or just like watch the movie a hundred times. I don't need to know the answer. Like I love the shining. I don't need to like definitively know what Kubrick was. Saying. I don't even care. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just want to, I love the mystery of the whole thing. 
And, and sometimes it just it one line can make a an entire song too, you know, like um and, and you don't really and you know, you'll still listen, but like you know, like that song of yours, um well, I think it is satanic summer nights, like she said, I hate you with such grace. Um, you know, that line in particular makes that whole song for me. Um, you know, and like I, I obviously I listen to the rest of the lyric, but yeah. like I listen to that song for that line or like um you know, with your, uh, you know, leave the family, like, you know, the bass player hates your guts and the singer stole your song. That, you know what I mean? Like that, uh, that song, that opening line, right. Or that second, I think it's in the second verse maybe, but, um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I think when I think of that song, I think of that line and that, and that's what keeps me coming back. So, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be all tied together nicely. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And, you know, I mean, with, Leopard's one of our really big influences, if not our biggest influence. Early on was Incredible String Band, and they can be a little precious and twee and stuff, which I don't really mind. But I always think about this line, and I think it's in Ducks on the Pond, where you know he's uh, there's all this stuff going on, but then he, I can't, you know, oh, people can search it out, but when he he starts singing about lovely jesus nailed to a tree and just this shrieking I, I like out of nowhere and i believe it's ducks on a pond where he's like talking about you know pretty ducks on a pond swimming around but yeah. just that line like it changes colors everything else to me just because i'm like how you would get to this place <laughs> where he's like shrieking about lovely Jesus nailed to a tree and all this other stuff is colored and informed by that to me. Right. And that's like, I think what, you know, you know, yeah. A lyric, a lyric can do. I, I mean, again, it, it's been awesome working with James uh, lately because he's he's another he's another guy that that he can have those those certain lines um that i'm just like god damn it just takes you to a, it transports you to a world where you're yeah. just like again like novels or whatever you know where you just see something uh, uh differently because of it but yeah 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 all right, man. Well, um, I guess we can. I'll, I'll let you get on with your night. We've been going an hour forty here, so. Uh, well, it's I great got, talking to you. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you gave me a lot to think about, and uh, I just, you know, I don't see you much out there on the internet or or whatever. So I needed to. Uh, I had to ask you to see if you'd come on and check because now I can actually like you know see the real person and because like I say you're not you're not that present online and I respect the hell out of that but mm -hmm. um but I just you know um yeah wanted to pick your brain a little bit so yeah well it was it was really it was really great chatting and well yeah we'll have to do it again but uh yeah thanks for having me on mm -hmm.